You're listening to a Dulahan Productions podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Serial killers, also called serial murderers, is defined by the Federal Bureau of Investigation as the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender or offenders in separate events. Today, we will be looking into the history and statistics of serial killers. This is Serial Time, a serial killer podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sparks, and joining me for episode one of our two-part special Between Seasons is my co-host, Bobby Strickland. Surprise! How are you doing today, Bobby? Well, I'm here. Fair enough. I don't think anybody expected me to be hosting and and you to be co-hosting. Yeah, it's it's a shocker for me too, you know? You know, we like to throw a few curveballs here and there. Yeah, and I'm not a curveball-hitting guy. (laughs) You like it fast and down the middle. That's what she said. Mm -hmm, Exactly. But speaking of what she said or didn't say, I'll go ahead and jump on into the episode. So to tell you the history, Bobby, of who was the first serial killer in the history of mankind, we would have to draw assumptions and find difficulty in separating fiction from nonfiction. But what I can tell you is that it is believed that the first serial killer is assumed to date back to ancient times. The first documented research on sexual violence and serial killing that we know of wasn't conducted until the 19th century by European named Dr. Richard von Kraft Ebing. The first instance of recorded public fascination of serial killing was not until the murder of sex workers in the late 1880s. These murders took place in London, and the killer themselves began taunting police, and this individual even named themselves. Can you guess what his or her name was, Bobby? I know it was a woman. That's all I really know. <laughs> I'm not good with names. I'm not going to try to act like I'm good with names because I always end up butchering them, but I know it was a woman. Well, I hate to tell you that cannot discern definitively if it was a man or a woman, but this individual was known by his name that he he or she gave himself, Jack the Ripper. I've seen this one before that, but I think that one was all speculation, though. Yes, so we'll kind of touch on that. So before this point in history, there has been noted, you know, several different seer killers, even though there really wasn't a, a true blue definitive name for them up until about this point. Really, the name was given in the 1970s, but... Up until this point, yes, there were serial killers, but again, you going that far into history, find difficulty in discerning fact from fiction. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I consider King Henry uh, the eighth serial killer, but uh, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, by definition, it's difficult to distinguish between serial killer and mass murderer, taking, say, Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler, for example. Um, you could essentially define them as a serial killer, but we would rather define them as a mass murderer. Fair enough. So Jack the Ripper is argumentatively the most famous serial killer due to his nature, the intrigue, and the theories surrounding the murders. In one of Jack the Ripper's most notable letters to the police, they said, and I quote, Dear boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. 
I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work, the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha, ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for the jolly, wouldn't it? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Oh, Jack. Yeah, you can kind of tell that, say, if this letter is in fact from this serial killer, that they're awfully twisted and awfully demented. Just a little bit. Uh... <laughs> so for Jack, he the most notable event was in Whitechapel, London, where he murdered a number of, of sex workers, um, which draws out some of the conspiracy for Jack. So Jack was believed to have not killed again and was never caught. And so there are a few theories as to who he or she was, and due to the nature of the killings on that fatal night in Whitechapel, it was also theorized to be a group of killers based on the assumed time of death the sex workers that fatal night. There, there's another theory that the killer was actually a woman and that the name Jill the Ripper would have been more appropriate, but using the name Jack could have simply been a smokescreen. Or that the killer fled to the United States and became known as the Servant Girl Annihilator. These events for the Servant Girl Annihilator took place in Austin, Texas. Now, with Jack the Ripper, it was only one night that he really killed in England. Where he or she killed, correct? Like, it was all in one night and then nothing else really happened. So, yes and no. It's, it's difficult to really exclaim due to the, the nature of the events and the misunderstanding of how to handle these investigations. But the most notable instance that really is truly attributed to Jack the Ripper is that one night only. Fair enough. So part of the belief for the rise and popularity of serial killers by the public is due to the name that they are given or the name they give themselves. These names proclaim a sense that the boogeyman does exist and that there is something to be afraid of. Argumentably, these names do draw intrigue. Names like Jack the Ripper, Servant Girl Annihilator, The Night Stalker, BTK, and The Green River Killer, just to name a few. The Green River Killer. Hmm? Was the river real green there? Was it St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> no, I, I don't believe that this instance took place in Chicago, but... I'm going to double check that real quick because we've actually not done an episode yet on the Green River Killer. So the Green River Killer, just to draw a little bit more into this individual, was an individual by the name of Gary Ridgway. 
Uh, he was an American serial killer and sex offender uh, who was convicted of 48 separate murders, most notably in Washington and Oregon. But wasn't St. Patrick's Day? No. Washington, Oregon. Wait, what if he is D.B. Cooper? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're in the, the right area, but I feel like T.B. Cooper probably... I mean, don't get me wrong. From what we know, and just to draw in a little bit more information for the See, audience... See, what we know is we know nothing, Jason. <laughs> That's no, what, what we know is that he escaped from an airplane, a fully functioning airplane, jumped out of said airplane with an exorbitant amount of money and was never caught. And that only a very small fraction, I believe, of the total sum that he stole was found in the wilderness in, I believe, one of those states. I believe it was in Washington. But I'm saying it, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, say that this person's going strictly off impulse, but I would say I would have to do a little bit more research into the time frame and also potentially alibis of when these events took place and if his killings were taking place at the same time when did you say that was da, 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 da. throughout the 1980s and 1990s well you see he um he escaped in 1971 so there's a good possibility he could have been like living <laughs> off the land living with the wolves and he was trying to find something to eat so he uh you know just did his thing so <laughs> just from what i know of gray ridgeway he didn't eat people <laughs> Hey, I never said he ate them. I said that he was hungry. He could have killed them and ate their food. I don't know. <laughs> you can't. You're just going off the deep end now, Jason. You're you're losing it. Coming from the person who's drawing speculation of one individual from a specific place. Hey, what do they have in common? Both criminals. I'm making logical sense here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be perfect for. The judicial system of the United States there, Bob. Yeah, they're guilty. No matter what, they're guilty. <laughs> He's a criminal. He probably did this crime too. Just lock him up. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep second on him. <laughs> Going to turn the United States into Japan with a 99.9% .9 incarceration rate. Or conviction rate, I'm sorry. Hey, can't handle the time. Don't do the crime. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But anyways... <laughs> So public fascination began again with a string of serial killings in the 1970s and 1980s, with a number of serial murders taking place in this time frame, and also into the 1990s with the hit film Silence of the Lamb, which uh, some believe to be an accurate depiction of what a serial killer is like. While this can be true, the personality and psychology of serial killers can vary dramatically. All I can think about is Dwight off the office. Yeah, wearing the the face of the the practice dummy. Yes. Yep. Yep. I... So, I I think that that movie is is a good depiction of like the the insanity, the grotesqueness of some serial killers. It's interesting to me, right? For individuals like the Night Stalker, aka Richard Ramirez, that the the nickname sometimes sticks out a lot more than their person's actual name. But, of course, Hannibal Lecter is a fictional character, but is, is synopsis with, with serial killings. But you also have individuals like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer who are more known by their government names. Yeah, that's fair. 
I mean, it's kind of like Jack the Ripper, you know. Were they were these self claimed nicknames, or were they uh, given by somebody else? In some cases, they're self claimed. In others, they're either given by the media, the media, or the federal government themselves. So, what is your stance then? I'm gonna go a little bit off topic here. Mm-hmm. Of speaking of names, them not really releasing the names of people that commit. I guess it's more of mass murderers that mm-hmm. this really happens to, but them not releasing the names of those people because they want them to have no notoriety. So it's interesting, right, uh, to discuss because I, I feel like if you if you give it a name, say for the Night Stalker, to where there's there's tabloids, there's newspapers, there's magazines that are are speaking of this individual. And they come to to learn that, oh, I'm Richard Ramirez, but I am now known as the Night Stalker. I instill fear into these individuals who aren't even in the same state nor country as me just due to my notoriety. And it can feed into their twisted mentality and really encourage them to continue doing these heinous acts. But at the same time, if if you don't give it a name, if you act as if nothing is happening, are you setting people up for failure to potentially be the next victim? Because I, I look at it a little bit differently, I guess. Because um, mm-hmm. my whole aspect on it is they're all they're really wanting is the reaction. Like, yes, I've done this. And I can see how people are in fear because of it. Like the thing that I kind of think of the most, which it might be a bad, it probably is a really bad uh, comparison, is in Batman. The most mm-hmm. Batman. you got the Joker at the very end. He's like, "Look what I've done." Mm-hmm. Whenever you have riots going on the street, like that's what they are kind of pushing for. Where if you don't give them that reaction, it's like, okay, I uh, I can probably stop this and do something else, but. I guess that's where the failure thing could come into where what is that next thing they're going to do? It's not about the money. It's about sending a message. Um, no, I, I agree in some cases, but I, I say that to say, yes, some serial killers want that notoriety. They want to be noticed by society, a society that they believe has never given them the time of day, has never cared about who they are. And now they do. That's all they can talk about. But some serial killers don't care. They're doing it for their own satisfaction. And if the world is watching, okay, makes no difference to me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Because my other thing, the thing I was going to lead into that with was... Even with them not releasing the name of the person and not really giving it a nickname, people mm-hmm. are going to come up with a nickname for them. And like, they always release the pictures of who, what they look like. So I think they are giving them some kind of notoriety in a sense. So I think it's kind of stupid that they don't release the name. Yeah, and I, I think to some extent of, of why they don't release the name is is either because they don't know it yet or if they do know it, that you don't want to to bastardize a person because they've not been convicted by the full extent of the law yet. Because as we've touched in this series, justice is slow. 
um, in a lot of these cases. Mm. And, and so you don't, like I said, you don't want to bastardize this person because you have not fully convicted them of these heinous acts because say you do, say you do bastardize them right at the beginning and then through proof of evidence and circumstance that you have the wrong guy. Well, you have absolutely torched this person's life. Well, I think that's backwards because most of the time whenever they don't release the name, it's whenever they've already, the person already is deceased because they've what happened at the scene, like in mass shootings and stuff. Usually they don't release the name of the shooter after they've been deceased. Right. Whereas if they catch them, they immediately release the name almost. So I think that argument's a little bit backwards. No, I, I disagree. Um, because I would say that that's case by case um, and, and really depends on not only the, the state government and local governments that are dealing with it, but also the media outlets of what they're able to gain and what they're able to learn from law enforcement. So, so moving forward, the concept of serial killers is attributed to FBI agent Robert Ressler for his use of the term serial homicide. From this you definitely story. wrestled that one in there, didn't you? Do what? I say you definitely wrestled that one in there, didn't you? <laughs> there you go. From this stint came research and case studies into categorizing these individuals into two buckets, disorganized and organized. Disorganized killers are typically sloppy. They do not have a plan, but rather act on off impulse. They leave evidence and make a mess of crime scenes and in some cases do not establish a a mortis operandi, or MO for short, which is the method of murder and demographic they target. These individuals can rarely hold a job, a relationship with a significant other, or even a relationship with friends and family. Jeez, you ain't gonna call me out like that. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from the the person who has a significant other to the person who does not. (laughs) Well. Well. But yeah, to kind of touch on disorganized killers, I feel as if from our research that typically these are the guys that are a lot easier to catch and typically aren't as prolific as organized killers because of how sloppy they are. That, you know, they're just kind of going about it willy-nilly and appear to not even care if they get caught and i think that goes back to what i brought up earlier about them wanting the reaction because they want to get caught almost yeah yep again i'll i'll say in in some cases absolutely in other cases it's it really comes down to hey that looks like a person i can murder and they do it and and oftentimes in these instances not all of them but often that it's sexually motivated so jason let me ask you then mm-hmm. do you do you ever wet the bed <laughs> no like, i'm actually bringing up that point later <laughs> do you like playing with fire nope i'm just wondering how you're getting these serial killers heads so <laughs> it only leads me to one conclusion mm-hmm. we'll get to that later okay uh, to, to know thy enemy is to be thy enemy um so to jump on to an organized killer this individual is of course the opposite of disorganized killers they these are individuals that are more methodical with their killings they plan out their crimes make an effort to hide evidence these individuals are typically seen as normal functioning members of society 
can hold a job, have long-term relationships, and are seen as a normal person by friends and family. It's really interesting to, to kind of uncover uh, some of these organized killers that they, they have families. You know, they have good relationships with their wives. They have kids. They, they have good relationships with their parents and, and brothers and sisters and cousins and so forth and so on. But they go on and they live these double lives that end up being very sick and demented. But to everybody else, you would never have guessed that there was something wrong. I feel like it's a lot of people now. Uh, I feel like it's getting better at showing signs of that. But I feel like so many people have their guard up that they don't want to show any kind of signs of weakness. Possibly? No? Okay, that's a stupid point. All right, cool. No, I... I, myself. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. I, I, no, I don't, I don't think it is, Bobby. I, I, I think you're right in the, the extent that with things even as, as social media that a lot of people really put forward that, that best foot um, and that the, the bad things or the, the things that individuals aren't as proud of, you know, is, is really held a little bit more privately uh, than potentially it used to be. And, and don't get me wrong. I believe that we've made strides and bounds in the, the world of, of psychology and therapy that we're giving people a, a larger outlet to, you know, voice the, the things that go on inside their head and the issues that they deal with. But I, I still feel as if society as a whole is very guarded and, and protective of who they are as an individual. I think in some cases that's not true at all, that everything that happens in certain individuals' lives is, is out on the internet for everybody to see. But I but they can the, control what they put up there. So Exactly. Exactly. They they can make their own narrative of of what is happening. So that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like they're more guarded of some things in that aspect. Because mm-hmm. privacy is almost impossible to have now. Mm-hmm. Especially with Meta, uh, <clears throat> not kind of any big name companies, but uh, I mean, that's just something that I feel like society has an issue with is putting their true self out there. So they just put on a face and just kind of go along with it. Because I know several people have had this, have had this mentality of, I need to do better than this person. Like, I need to one up them on this post, or I need to go to, like this event or I need to go on this trip just so I can one up this other person to gain popularity. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting dynamic that society has kind of evolved into. Okay. So to continue on from those two categories offsets into four subcategories of serial killers, such as the visionary mission oriented. I thought you were going to say the visionary, the missionary, <laughs> and the doggy. <laughs> so within those two categories are four subcategories of serial killers, such as the visionary, mission-oriented, hedonistic, and power and control. The what? Hedonistic. Spell it. H-E-D-O-N-I-S-T-I-C. 
So the visionary is typically someone who kills from a misguided belief in a higher calling, such as a calling from God to kill. So I'm going to have to look up this girl's name because this is the only example I can think of it. So while you're looking that up, I Nori follow. Say that again. The woman's name, I believe, is Nori Valo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if me and you've talked about this before. There is a Netflix documentary on this woman called The mm-hmm. Sins of Our Mother. Mm-hmm. She believed that her and her new husband could tell souls from dark souls and light souls, and they had to kill all these dark souls, and it was like 600,000 people that they were supposed to kill. I don't know. Uh, but she ended up killing her kids. Oh. Yeah, it was uh, a little interesting. <laughs> I was... Um, I was... But, uh, this was recent, though, because I believe that the trial had just ended, and she got convicted a month or two ago. Oh, wow. So that was rather recent. Yeah. At first, I was really concerned as to why she wanted to, to kill the hit video game series Dark Souls, but... um. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> She also believed that she was a god. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a whole thing. If you haven't watched it, I would highly recommend it. It's very interesting. Uh, it's only three episodes, kind of like the Murdoch murders. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's out there. <laughs> Sounds like it. And I think within our society that these are the individuals that typically... I'll, I'll call it what it is, get made fun of um, in that. Wow, you bully. I, like I said, it, calling it what it is. I, I'm not saying that I am, am one of these people, but in some of the media I've seen, you know, it's, you know, um, uh, there's like, you know, did I do good, God? And he's like, yes, that's right. Now kill him. And it's like, as you wish, my Lord. Or the one where it's like, uh, the dog and, and the girl's like god <laughs> she's i think the dog's like yeah that's right now kill your parents tracy or, or whatever that scene was from but are you there god it's me margaret exactly <laughs> <laughs> even though that was absolutely about something else hey there's blood involved okay so with that being said Ooh, that's gonna get cut <laughs> I, I was gonna keep it until you said that <laughs> Okay, so the mission-oriented kills in order to purify what they believe to be a group within society that should not exist. I think you can kind of draw that these individuals are typically... Saddam Hussein. Wasn't going to say that, but also can't really fault you in the ideology that, yeah, you're right. Okay. I have to have examples of people for me to understand it. So that's why I'm just blurting out names at this point. Name a person who's killed and is a part of a white supremacist group or the Ku Klux Klan. And there's your example. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I wasn't going to take it there, but since you went there, okay. Uh... Well, like I said, there it's typically driven by a hatred of... A group of individuals and typically that hatred stems into racism fair enough mm-hmm. and the most you know well known within the united states would be those two groups Hitler. Oh. 
within the United States. <laughs> Hitler was not within the United States. He hey, was we had to learn about him. Beautiful country called Germany, aka Deutschland. I'm not good geography either. I know I'm doing the show at this point. I'm doing <laughs> nothing. I don't even know I'm here. I don't even know what's going on right now. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> the hedonistic kills for their own pleasure and is typically sexually driven. So a lot of times in, in the instances that we talk about and in the individuals that are a little bit more prolific, more notorious are those who are hedonistic, who are sexually driven to to kill. That's very uh, disturbing. Yes, it is. Um, it is a a terrible thing to talk about. Um, and there are, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bobby. We've not covered some of these killers that I've I've learned and heard about. That honestly, as as I'm either listening to another podcast, reading about them, or, or watching a documentary on them, it it really gets to the point where it makes me sick to my stomach. And, and I really don't get queasy or, or nauseous easily due to blood and gore and, and things that are, are very prolific. But some of these actions are so horrendous that it's, it's literally horrifying. Yeah, see, you don't get like that. I do. I'll throw up. That's why I don't ever go into that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. That's why you're like, I'm hating this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even stand looking at my own blood. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So the power and control seeks to dominate others and control their actions. Um, and a, a good example would be, I forget the killer's name in Silence of the Lamb, the one that Hannibal was helping, you know, find the the one who's noted for the line, you know, put the lotion in the basket. Um, I've actually never seen the movie, so I don't know. Well, you're missing out. Um, Am I? Yes. <laughs> I, I I I think it's worth a watch. I really do. Um, but this this individual, his entire thing was was being able to dominate, have control over people and their actions. Um, that their their only saving grace is what that they can offer them. So Michael Myers, spoiler alert, the newest one. Didn't see that one because you told oh, me it was really? terrible, and so I didn't go watch it. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Yeah. Wasn't gonna waste my time. I can think about his little Timmy falling off the third floor. I did see that, and that was oh my god, it was something that wasn't really scary. It was just the balance got me. <laughs> oh god, that that I scene. Can, I can yeah. remember going to see that movie with Hunter. Mm-hmm. That happened. I started laughing because I didn't know what happened. And- <laughs> I don't do well in scary movies either. <laughs> I also, the kid bounce. <laughs> I, I see everybody else in the theater just kind of turn and look at me. <laughs> like that meme, you need to leave. <laughs> I was like, come on. You should lock the guy in the closet. Trapped in the closet. Yeah, I mean. A place to begin in stupid prices. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean. At the end of the day, you know that's fake and it's not based on anything. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's okay to find humor in, in the 
in my mind, the bad practical effects that that scene was. Yeah, because I don't really understand that. Because I don't think if you fell from the third floor, if you'd bounce that hard. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't want to do a test to find out, but I think you're going to be glued to the ground. Yeah, I don't think your legs are going to do what his legs did. No, not quite. Yeah, so uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. So, Bobby, why do people become a serial killer? For one of those four reasons that you just listed out is what I'm going to guess. Well, that's the categorization of why they're driven to kill. Oh, uh, yeah, because they want to fulfill a mission. They want to see themselves in power. They want to... I forgot the other two. I'm, I'm lost. Uh, Answer a calling from a greater power or do it for their own sexual desire. Yeah, so I would say those are pretty good reasons to become one. I mean, I wouldn't say I would never become one, but... Well, I don't think they're good reasons, but that, like I said, that's what drives them to kill, but what makes them the serial killer is the interesting thing, so... What makes uh, them is that they committed the crime. Yes, in fact, you are correct. (laughs) But prior to that point, the development period... So, of course, there are a number of reasons, but typically a serial killer is someone who suffered physical or sexual abuse at a young age, and typically these horrendous actions are done by family members. This trauma can lead to heavy damage to their brain and prevents development in their frontal lobe, which is where our emotions stem from. For context, lobotomies are a procedure that removes or damages your frontal lobe, and those who have been lobotomized are said to have no emotion and no longer feel empathy. These events that take place at a young age can lead to indicators that a child may grow up to be a serial killer. The notable three events that you alluded to earlier is that a child still pees the bed at an age past an acceptable age for a child to do so. Well, what's the acceptable age? I don't have children. I don't know. But I'm just wondering for my nieces and nephews. Like, I ain't been on, there's like six of those. <laughs> gotta be on the I'd, workout. <laughs> I'd say maybe five to six is when that should be a rare instance. So if they're doing it at 12. Yeah, you probably got a problem. 15? You You definitely have a problem and they need to get checked out. I'm not saying that that alone will determine that they're going to be a serial killer by no means, but there might be something physically wrong with their body that prevents them from having control of their bladder. But the other two categories that or events that can happen is a child that inflicts harm or kills uh, small animals and also commits arson. I was about to say Bobby Boucher was not a serial killer for all I know. I mean, we don't know what happened after the movie ended. <laughs> after Vicky Valentine. <laughs> Not Vicky Valentine. <laughs> no, Mama, you the devil. Vicky Valentine, show me the movies and I love this movie. Oh, the devil, the Every time somebody says pee the bed, that's the only thing I think of is going back to the water boy and seeing the big sheet. <laughs> <laughs> just flooded <sighs> and there's our sound effects <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, these uh these of course my great editing skills and and it's definitely not the fact that I'm recording during a thunderstorm and the flush a flash flood warning a flesh going on a flesh a flashlight warning. All right, Bobby. So wanted to touch on some statistics of serial killers and most notably documented serial killers dating back, assumably from the nineteen hundred from 1900 to today of confirmed documented serial killers by country. And I'm going to start off with number 10 and kind of go up from there. This is going to be a guessing game for me. You know what? Sure. We'll start off with this first. No, one. Let's not do that. <laughs> just, just the first one, just the first one. What do you think? Number 10, what is the 10th country with the most documented serial killers? I was like, can I guess number one? <laughs> you told me number one. <laughs> you already know number one, so no. <laughs> uh, number 10. We're going to go with Iceland. No, Iceland is not even in the top 20. Greenland. Greenland is not in the top 20. Australia. <laughs> Australia is not. I'm sorry. Australia is in the top 10, but is not number 10. Yeah. I'm sorry. South Africa is in the top ten, but it's not number ten. Jeez. Um. Hmm. Mexico. Mexico is in the top twenty, but it's not in the top ten. I know Canada's not gonna be on there. All those freaking nice people. Um, Canada is in the top ten. What? Yep. Yes, they are. Um. Japan. Japan is in the top ten, but not number ten. England. England is in the top ten, but not number ten. France. France is in the top 20. Dutchland. Germany is in the top 10, but not number 10. <laughs> Russia. Russia is number 10. Jeez. You were bouncing all around it, Bobby. After you got past the two that were not in the top 20, I was like, oh man, he's right there. He's right there. <laughs> so number 10 is Russia with 73 secret killers. Number nine is India with 80 serial killers. Australia is 81. I'm sorry. Aust- Australia is 8 with 81 serial killers. Number 7 is Germany, aka Deutschland, with 85 serial killers. Japan is 96. I'm sorry. Japan is 6 with 96 serial killers. Italy is number 5 with 97 serial killers. Canada is number four with 106 serial killers. South Africa is number three with 117 serial killers. England is number two with 166 serial killers. And how many thousand do we have? And the United States is number one with 3,204 serial killers. For context, if you added up The top 20, excluding number one, you would still not even be halfway there. Well, we got to be number one to something, you know? (laughs) It'll be football. It's not going to be, I'm sorry, soccer is what it's called, really. I Um, don't think that's something we want to be number one in. Well, I I mean, I'm sure we don't want to be, but, you know. We're just letting all the other countries know that if you want to go to war with us, we got all these serial killers here. We'll get the job done. Get the job done. So why do you think that is? Well, let's go from the start here. Education mm-hmm. system's terrible here in the United States. Two, I'm pretty sure 
sex trafficking, child molestation, probably is also an all-time high here in the United States as well. Number three, we have a lot of guns. And they don't really have a very strict uh, gun control. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, gun control is not as strict here in the United States as it is in most places. Uh, that Those are going to be my guesses. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. Um, all fair points. Um, and, I mean, of course, the, the list can go on. I'm sorry, I... I have nothing written down. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I had a thought, and I was, I was doing some real quick research because I wanted to see what the, the number of, like, say, one out of a million people is a serial killer, a number like that, right? I was trying to find that for the United States, and maybe the fifth or sixth article is an article by Bet MGM Casino. And it is titled, What are the Odds of Being a Serial Killer's Victim? And I'm just thinking, like, can I place a bet? <laughs> I will be killed by a serial killer? How you going to cash that out? apparently you'd have to put, you know, next to Ken to cash it out, but, huh. Can you place a bet on that? Let's find out. It's, a, it's an article. I, I feel like this article was written to promote their their horror slots, and that's it. So I don't believe you can um, bet. But I found what I was looking for, that there is a... 0.00015% chance that, say, you or your next-door neighbor are serial killer. Well, it's not zero. It's not zero. It is, in fact, greater than zero. It's like playing Among Us. You gotta find out who the, who the person is. <laughs> right, who the traitor is. Yeah, I hope I never find myself in that circumstance. Yeah, hang on, explain that one to your kids. I don't think you do. Okay, so to kind of discuss a little bit about the statistics of gender in serial killers, so only 8.6% of United States serial killers are female. In the terms of motive for these female serial killers, it shows that 70% of female serial killers acted for financial gain. And to kind of draw the line of male serial killers, only 28.8% of male serial killers were motivated by financial gain. And so an interesting fact to, to kind of look at is that typically men who are serial killers murder women and that women who are serial killers typically murder men. But within the demographic of race, typically serial killers kill within their own race. Some people just have problems. Oh, there's there's no doubt. There's a very obvious reason since the fact that we are able to have this podcast that people have issues. I'm trying to say that we should thank them? No, not in the slightest. Just trying to make sure. I think the... Uh, the world would be a better place if there weren't a thousand serial killer podcasts. So Bobby, with that being said, wanted to, to go ahead and wrap up this episode and wanted to see if you had any final questions, comments, concerns. I have too many questions to ask is, is the thing. Again, I know nothing. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where to start with asking questions. Like, if they know all these statistics, why are they not stopping them? Oh, you open Pandora's box with that question. And that's why I don't know anything, because <laughs> it seems like you could basically predict what's going to happen. You know, it, it's interesting, right? The fact of what is the success rate for all these other countries in preventing serial killers versus the not-so-successful methods within the United States. I will say, of course, we've came a long way with forensics, but it comes down to potential societal issues within these countries and the ideologies that people have. And as far as being able to predict It's interesting, right? Because there's a lot of data. There's a lot of understanding that we have of serial killers. But if you were to look from, you know, 1900s to today, statistically, you have such a small sample size in regards to the total population that any assumption you could draw would be a very small confidence interval to say this is factual. So, really, this whole episode's been a bunch of mumbo-jumbos I'm hearing. No, statistics is is still very important, no matter how small the sample size, and especially in a topic that is as prolific and illicit as, as this one. And with these statistics, we can still grow and learn and hopefully put forth measures to prevent or in the event that it starts end it faster than we have in the past, i.e. with even the, the Green River killer who was able to be convicted of 49 murders but was assumed for a much greater number than that, of how do we prevent it? How do we stop it from getting to an escalation period that it's at? Other countries are, for, are stopping is what you're saying, right? So... <sighs> And again, a fantastic question. I don't know. I cannot answer that question without drawing assumption that is it that they are successfully preventing it or is it that it just wouldn't have happened from the start? My whole thing is if we have this big of a problem with serial killers in the U.S., Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there are other people from other countries here. Does that mean that we're getting all the bad ones? No. Nope. But if other countries can figure it out, why can't we? Yep. And to to speak on that, you know, of course, the United States is a melting pot, which other countries, of course, are becoming melting pots as well. But statistically, serial killers are white American-born males within the United States. But that's my whole thing. That I just don't really understand. Mm-hmm. It's if everybody else can figure it out, why can't we? And I'm sure there's still me somebody out there saying it's gun control. But I have arguments against that as well. Um, but we just won't get into that. Not to be political, but... So I'm not able to find any really good um, numbers on the well, weapon. Well, you know Jack the Ripper used blades. He used blades. Um, and a lot of the serial killers that we've touched on uh, use either blades or strangulation. Um, That's too loud. 
exactly typically that is the reason why you don't hear as much of serial killers using firearms um of course there is son of sam who is a notable serial killer who used firearms um and that handguns are the number one cause of homicide in the united states but typically those are instances that are more one event which would declassify them as serial killers but regardless it's a interesting subject no matter what yeah that's one though well i can't figure this out (laughs) yes exactly what is what is the reason what is the the issue how do we overcome it how do we adapt how do we evolve as a society and to those questions i don't have an answer i don't know i i really can't figure it out nor can i understand it but any other questions for me bobby yeah, no, I don't do well with a serious episode, so... Uh... <laughs> well, thank you for, for pulling it out and, and being a part of this. Whoa, no, I didn't pull out anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts. <laughs> but no, I do not have any other questions. Uh, it's time the defense rests their case. All right. Well, as we wrap up this episode, I would like to thank some of the... Uh, where we got some of our material from for this episode. I would like to thank Taylor Stacy with Unite with the University of Michigan for her article on putting methods to the madness. Uh, I would like to thank the Federal Bureau of Investigation for their article, Serial Murderer, uh, edited by Robert J. Morton. And with that being said, this has been Serial Time, a serial killer podcast, where We took this episode to talk on the history and statistics of serial killers. If you like this episode, feel free to check out our backlog as we get prepared for season two of this series. And also feel free to check out other Dulahan Productions podcasts, such as Alcoholic Anomalies, a paranormal podcast, and our up-and-coming podcast, Dirty Laundry. As a disclaimer, no serial was harmed in the making of this episode, and we hope to see you next time.